This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome back Dr. Jen Douglas to the show. Dr. Jen is a mom, partner, licensed psychologist, executive coach, and a Stanford clinical assistant professor. She's joined us before on episode 44 of the podcast, Unpacking Perfectionism and How It Turns Up in Motherhood. Today, Dr. Jen is here to talk about the feeling of having to get it right and do it right in motherhood. Where does this feeling, this universal pressure in a feeling that so many moms experience, where does it come from? And how do we break out of this often stifling, sometimes even suffocating pressure to do it right? As a mom of three children, I know that the stakes feel so incredibly high with each decision that we make, but this feeling has now crept into every single little decision that we make for our children, and it becomes absolutely paralyzing when we're standing at the store trying to figure out which snack would be better for our child's lunch, and it feels like that one decision carries so much weight for their future. Maybe that's not the greatest example, but you know what I'm trying to describe here. We will make mistakes in motherhood. We are human and our children are human. And it is important for us to learn how to respond to making mistakes and failures and managing our own humanity so that we can help them manage theirs. If you can relate to these feelings, then this interview is for you. And there are some really great insights shared about where and how to start unlearning this pattern of behavior. Let's dive in to my interview with Dr. Jen. Hey mamas, have you heard the exciting news? We are rolling out a wellness clinic across the country. That's right, Canada's first maternal mental health nationwide clinic. So far, we are offering services in Ontario. We've recently added Alberta and Saskatchewan. And while you're listening to this, we may be rolling out additional provinces in your location. To learn more and find a maternal mental health specialist that can serve you in your adjustment to motherhood, head to happyasamother.co slash wellness. That's happyasamother.co slash wellness. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. 
Dr. Jen, I am so excited to have you back. Thank you for your openness and willingness to spend some time here with us today. And I just, I enjoyed our first time around about perfectionism so much. I'm so, so excited that you're here. Of course. This is honestly one of my favorite spaces. And I was thrilled you wanted to have me back and kind of deep dive on the motherhood aspect of all of this. Yeah, we went through in our initial interview unpacking perfectionism, what it is, how it develops, how it shows up. And I feel like in real time in that interview, my brain was like piecing together like, wait a minute, (laughs) this is at the core of our motherhood experience. Like I actually felt, you know, the light bulbs going off. And since then, I've actually dove into some motherhood studies with Dr. Sophie Brock, and I'm doing an intensive mothering certificate and going through some trainings. And like, It is really at the core (laughs) of our sufferings (laughs) in motherhood, this, you know, this real need to get it right or, you know, so many big pieces. So first of all, before we even dive into that, I just want to say, like, how are you? (laughs) How is lifing? We know a little bit about your journey from last time, but for those who might be new to you, you're spending time in private practice these days. You've got a digital course. You're Instagramming. How is the Instagram world treating you? (laughs) The Instagram world is really fun, especially for me, because as a recovering perfectionist, I constantly need to remind myself to put myself out there and be in situations where I might not have it all figured out and have it all down. And as someone in her mid to late 30s, let's call it, Instagram and social media is not something that comes super naturally to me. And so it's fun to take this stuff and take the nerd side of my brain, you know, and really be able to translate it into the real world and reach actual human beings and not other stuffy professors. I love it. Taking an academic topic that maybe you've specialized in or you've researched or you've taught a lot and opening the door or like letting people behind the scenes into this topic where otherwise they may not have encountered resources and education like yours. So, so appreciate the content that you put out every day. And I know what goes into maintaining an Instagram platform (laughs) and the work on top of momming and your professional life. So, man, we appreciate you. Likewise. Likewise. You are one of those inspirations of people who shows up with honesty and vulnerability. And so I equally appreciate you in that space, Erica. So when I reached out to you, I just wanted us to dive deeper into it's almost a feeling more than it is something that's spoken. Mm. It's this real sense to want to do things right so badly in motherhood. And I feel like I have some stories from first-time mothering that really highlight this, just like researching, is a pacifier going to create some sort of nipple confusion? And do I have to exclusively breastfeed and not use any kind of formula? And every single little decision felt so high stakes that it almost felt paralyzing at times. And I can now, thanks to your work and some of the other learning I've been doing, relate this back to perfectionism, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought up the first time motherhood aspect about it because never is it so acute than the first time mom who doesn't have experience of messing it up and doing the thing that isn't the ideal quote unquote recommendation and having it all work out and having it be okay. 
we don't have that confidence and we don't trust ourselves when it's our first time in quite the same way as, say, a third-time mom might. I couldn't agree more. I feel like I went through this a lot in my first-time motherhood experience, a little bit less in my second, and then I – I'm currently in this writing project right now where I talk about how after my third, every bit of perfectionism I had came crashing down and it had to in order for me to survive, right? Like I just, you can't maintain this facade (laughs) when you're being torn in three different directions. So can we unpack this strong need for anyone who really resonates with the idea of like, I need to get it right. I need to do it right. Where is that coming from? Why is that such a strong pull for us as mothers? Absolutely. And so it's interesting because you see folks who have, you know, a touch of anxiety or perfectionism before becoming moms, and then motherhood tends to amplify it, you know, X-fold and make it that much more acute and that much more, exactly like you said, high stakes, right? Right. But then what's interesting is some folks who don't have really, really strong perfectionistic tendencies prior to becoming a mom sometimes this can really hit them by surprise Mm. and therefore go longer unrecognized. But the fundamental mechanisms are are very much the same. And I think every mom on earth would agree that there is nothing more important that when this tiny human comes into your life, you would do anything for them. Mm -hmm. And you see moms wearing... 10-year-old leggings that have lost all the elastic, but their kid is dressed to the nines because we prioritize our children over and over and over again. And some of that's organic, wanting to keep them safe and hardwired, biological, you know, an instinct. And some of it's also societal pressure of what we should be doing and what our families should look like. Yeah. It brings up in my mind the lens through which we're viewing things, the pressures, the stories we've told ourselves. In matrescence, this adjustment to motherhood, this becoming of a mother, one of the key tasks in that time is to reconcile our expectations and ideals of our role in motherhood with the reality. Yes. <laughs> right? And and the bigger the gap between the two, the more suffering we're likely to experience. And if we're talking the real need to get things right or we're talking perfectionism, those ideals might be so unattainable that there is such a big gap and motherhood then hits us really hard. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, early on in the motherhood journey, I talked to so many women who are, you know, in the first year, maybe second year postpartum, and there's almost a non-acceptance that that gap can exist, the gap between the idyllic Mm. and the realistic and so for many folks who who turn to perfectionism, you know, subconsciously, they tend to have had a relationship with high achievement their whole lives. And the expectation that, well, if I put in more effort, if I work harder, if I think more about this, then I can figure it out and I can perform perfectly. Mm-hmm. And nowhere is it more impossible to perform perfectly than motherhood. Right. If I think more about this. That's hitting me because I see in clients a lot, um, and we briefly touched on, I think, last time, the amount of research we do (laughs) and the amount of information seeking we do in order to make the right choice. 
what would you say goes into this definition of right? Because, (laughs) you know, it's a subjective target. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we back this out a little bit to the perfect mother myth or intensive mothering, rightness in mothering looks like you know, being able to stay calm and nurture and juggle all the things and be self-sacrificing and, you know, put everyone's needs first. And there is sort of this form or societal pressure that this rightness can take. But I would say that it's also shaped by other factors as well, I can imagine. Absolutely. And sort of the mother that you're describing, there's kind of this placid packaging of sort of all knowing and always having the right answer and always knowing what to do and, you know, having the perfect thing in the right time. This is why, you know, our mother's purses when we were growing up had Band-Aids, a snack, three types of medicine, you know, et cetera. And now in sort of the modern day, you know, if I had a nickel for every person who took my course or a private client who had bought and returned like five strollers over the course of their mm. first, first year. Because there is that thought of, well, if I just think about it and research it enough, then I will have all the answers and I will have the perfect solution when the aspects of motherhood are impossible. And the stroller is a silly kind of superficial example, but there's going to be the perfect stroller for when you're traveling and for when you, you know, have a ton of stuff to carry and for when you have to go in the car or when you're going to walk. And and there is no thing that's going to fix all of it. It's not like at work or school where you can study really hard and get the good grade and be done with it. Motherhood is ever evolving, ever changing, and no one can do it perfectly 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. There is no one way. There is no prescriptive way, like yes. maybe in like an academic setting or another environment that we're used to having a criteria yep. through which we meet our success, right? Mm-hmm. And here, it's not a one-size-fits-all. And so what you might be trying to emulate, what might work for another person, doesn't necessarily fit or work for you. And I think that that is both terrifying (laughs) and freeing, potentially, (laughs) right? And liberating, At the same time. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. And and taking sort of the the academic analogy, you know, of, of another aspect in our lives where we can put effort in and then hopefully get the positive reinforcement back you know, we're not getting a grade on motherhood. We're not getting direct feedback, but we may be interpreting all of the things that are happening around us as constant feedback. Mm. And perfectionists are hypersensitive to feedback. So whether it's, oh, how many likes did I get on my kid's one-year-old birthday party that I put all this effort into decorating and getting this great smash cake, Or Mm. I did all this work to figure out how to handle tantrums and my kids still lost it at the zoo in front of 50 people. You know, we will take that and we will feel that sting, that injury of imperfection and really take it to heart in a really hard way. Yeah. How we're measuring our success, right? Yes. So I think about this in terms of clients who are working with maybe sleep consultants or trying Mm -hmm. to do some... I say sleep training, but within that, there's so many different approaches and feeling like, okay, I'm doing all the things I should be doing or I'm told to do and my baby still isn't sleeping and like I'm failing now because my my child is waking up. I think there's a piece of this that I know for me is also difficult, recovering perfectionist here myself, <laughs> is that in motherhood, the nature of the role is that it's in relationship to others, right? Our child. And we can't control and predict 
their side of the equation and their behavior, right? So you're giving the, the toddler a tantrum. I can't control or guarantee <laughs> or even influence the bigness of my child's feelings in a day, right? Yes. So if my measure of perfection, of rightness, of doing it right, of being good enough is an absence of tantrum, <laughs> I mean, I will fail, you know, five, six days out of seven of the week because it's not a realistic measure, Yes. Right? And there's something beneath there where it's almost, you know, and this is something that's really hard for perfectionists to accept, where a lot of perfectionism has to do with the intersection of achievement and control. Mm. So part of why it, it can be so frustrating for perfectionists and we can feel so daunted or like we're failing is because, like you said, we can't control if our three-year-old is going to have, you know, a big feelings experience at the fancy dinner or whatnot. And, and that mm -hmm. can be really disorienting for perfectionists, especially if pre-motherhood, they were able to control things in their lives with effort and forethought and just extra attention to the things that mattered to them. But here we can put all the attention, we can read every book on earth and our kid is still going to be mad at us when they ask for mac and cheese and we gave them mac and cheese. Right. So this element, this control piece is so big because I hear a lot of like, you know, I was able to control or organize or, you know, yes. orchestrate things in this way before. And now in motherhood, like, I'm trying to think about something that I actually have control over in motherhood. <laughs> like, there are very few and far between. Aside from my own reactions yep. and pieces to the situation, like I don't decide what time I wake up in the morning. I don't decide Oof. how my schedule is structured because it's structured around childcare. And so there's very few pieces that we tangibly control now. Yes. And I can imagine – well, and I have experienced how big of an adjustment and transition that is. Yes. And if we're not prepared, if we're not ready for that, and our society does a terrible job of preparing mothers for the level of uncertainty and level of flexibility that they're going to be coping with, Yeah. then what we do and what perfectionists especially do is hold on very tightly and grip very tightly to the things they can control. Mm. This is why researching strollers for 100 hours can feel comforting to that person because, oh, here's a thing that I can get right. Right. Or like the sleep schedule yes. or the feeding schedule or, you know, any of these things and themes that I see come up with clients frequently to do with time, structure, routine, and anything, you know, that can provide some structure or control to this big adjustment. If there is someone listening right now that's really – this is resonating with them, this loss of control, yeah, and they have a need for some certainty and a need for some – I don't know if it's getting it right or certainty. What are some adaptive ways that we can manage this need for control? Because I think that if we become overly rigid about things like sleeping schedules and feeding schedules – that actually creates a lot of maybe irritability or feelings oh. of failure when it's not working. Yes. Right? Yes. And then we're doubly tired because we've put all this effort in and doubly disappointed because it's not working. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when all the books and all the experts say, oh, try my way and then your kid will sleep. And yet. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's no need for them to be waking up. Thank you. But they're awake. Really so, appreciate that at 3 a.m. <laughs> when I'm on chapter four reviewing. Yeah. Okay. Right. No. <laughs> 
So, so this is what I love. And, and to anybody who might be listening to this and identifying maybe a bit of their own perfectionism, you know, I don't want people to feel like this is daunting or something they can't overcome. It's really a beautiful process when we start to challenge perfectionism and really gain back. I talk about gaining back freedom and gaining back time. Yes. Because what I had to do, especially at the beginning of my motherhood journey, was really to remind myself, like if I found myself, you know, over-researching, you know, sleep or feeding schedules or gear or what have you, I'd have to remind myself, hey, why are you doing this? And every time it was coming from a good place. I want the best for my kid. I want my kid to have the best chance out there. I want my kid to connect with me. I want to be a good mom. And then the harder part that requires some vulnerability and self-reflection on us is when we have to ask ourselves, is the way I'm spending my time aligned with those goals? Hmm. And so if, you know, if I had a nickel for every time I was breastfeeding with like the Amazon review phone in my hand, you know, <laughs> researching X, Y, or Z, right? that would be a good thing. But then we have to ask ourselves, you know, is this endless researching? Is this, you know, comparison, trap, all these things, are those getting in the way of my connection with my kids? Mm -hmm. And that's what's beautiful is when you learn that perfectionism is a pattern in your life that you want to challenge, it's these very micro kind of in the moments catching ourselves of like, oh, I'm, I've been down this sleep train rabbit hole for, you know, 45 minutes and I haven't locked eyes with my kid and smiled at them for that amount of time. Like my brow is furrowed. I'm stressed out. I'm kind of in this intellectualizing place when the reason I'm doing that is because I want my child to feel as loved and connected and whole. And I want to do a good job as a mom. But these efforts, these perfectionistic efforts are actually bringing me farther from all of those things. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, am I driving myself to like frustration and rage during a sleep time routine when I could just nurse my baby to bed and we would have this like special moment and I'm okay with that or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like reevaluating these expectations that we're placing on ourselves. I feel like that can sometimes be a really hard thing to do. Mm. Yes. Right? to yes. reevaluate our high, unachievably high <laughs> expectations. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's the in the moment is kind of questioning, are my behaviors aligning with the kind of life I want to have as a mother, with the kind of mother I want to be to my children? But then in other moments, in more calm moments where we're sort of reflecting or researching, it's also really important to really take a look at where these expectations are coming from. And so if someone is, you know, selling a book that says, well, if you do this, guaranteed your kid's going to sleep 12 hours, is that person interested in the nuance of my child and the uniqueness or my parenting style and the uniqueness? Or is that more of a monolith and kind of the perfectionistic view of, well, if you do X, then Y will happen when every mother knows that that doesn't necessarily work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so funny because I'm chuckling in my own mind here because we're having this conversation as I have a Pinterest board for the Christmas tree I'm trying to plan for Christmas. I'm like, is this really just for me today? I don't know, but it's so funny. Um, some of that lends itself to my creativity. Other parts are just like, I need to have the most, you know, yes. whatever setup. It's so funny. So 
I think that understanding the importance of why we need to adjust these expectations, what is the outcome? If, if we walk the path of not adjusting these expectations and we do this thought exercise for a moment of holding on with a death grip to living out this right imperfectionist way, where does that lead us in our motherhood journey? Well, and I'm really glad you asked that. And we've mostly been focusing, at least many of the examples that we're using now is on the little ones, you know, the first year or so. Right. But one of the really hard things that that's actually the reason that I have, you know, pivoted my career towards perfectionism is really looking at how perfectionism spans generations and how it can be passed down. Mm. And we touched on this a little bit in our last conversation, I remember, but if our children watch us holding on with, like you said, that death grip of, you know, I need to be perfect. I need to do it this way. And they watch us go through these cycles of extreme effort and unhealthy levels of sacrifice, you know, letting go of self-care, letting go of connection in order to get things right. And then they watch us in that cycle of guilt when it doesn't go perfectly. And then most perfectionists then redouble their efforts to try again and get in that guilt cycle again. We're modeling that for them. Mm-hmm. And they see us trapped in that. And then they think, well, this is how I need to operate too. This is what's acceptable. This is what makes me feel loved is if I do things perfectly. Right. So the individual impact is feeling like we're failing, like we're not good enough. And then like you said, doubling down and working harder, yes. thinking if I just did more, I will achieve perfection. So that's sort of like the individual torture we're trapped in, right? Mm-hmm. And then the relational or like family dynamic piece is that we're sort of modeling that pattern now for our children. And when I think about how this impacts mothers and women and things I've seen with clients, I feel like this comes out a lot in body image, dieting, exercise routines, you know, food and relationship with food. I'm sure that there are a number of other ways, but those are ones that come to mind. Yes. And People often ask me how I ended up, you know, working on perfectionism. And and when I first became a psychologist in my degree, my dissertation, all my graduate school work is all in disordered eating. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I can see that connection. Yeah, that thread is so strong. And again, when we talk about intergenerationally passing down some of these challenges, that's what interrupting perfectionism can really do is interrupt some of those patterns amongst families. Mm. Really powerful work when you think about it. When we make this decision, like whether or not I give my child a soother (laughs) (laughs) or whether I put my school-age child in hockey or basketball Mm -hmm. or any of these choices, Mm -hmm. how can we challenge the thinking that this one little decision is going to change their entire life? (laughs) Yes. Because that's the high stakes it feels, right? Like our brain will convince us that this singular decision will either make or break them in a way. (laughs) And there's got to be a way to talk ourselves off the ledge of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think there are two things going on here. So there's the fear that, oh, if I don't do what's quote unquote best for my kid, if I don't give them every opportunity, then they won't be able to go into the world with every advantage they possibly could. And this is when, it's funny, you said basketball or hockey. And I was like, well, the perfectionists would put them in both and run themselves ragged <laughs> and like have frozen dinner. What do you mean, or? In the back what of the car. Mean? Yeah, exactly. That's the yeah. perfectionistic approach. But then the other side 
is that very personal fear of, well, am I failing them by not doing this quote unquote right? And that's really the crux of where the perfectionism lies is perfectionism in motherhood means not only I have to get it right, but I have to get it right the first time. Hmm. There's no learning curve. There's no imperfection. There's no you know, ability to move through and develop with your child, model apologizing and making mistakes. There's no room for any of that in perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Versus if, you know, we sign our kid up for basketball and they end up absolutely hating it. And then we have a conversation of, yeah, that's, it's really hard to make those decisions. And now you wish you'd done hockey. And yeah, I wish you'd done hockey too. This is a hard emotion to sit with. And hey, I'm here for you. And I'm not going to run away because we're in an imperfect or painful situation. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's ZocDoc.com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. 
What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. One of the things that is being highlighted here, I feel like, is decision-making. Yes. How can we go about or what do we tap into to make appropriate decisions for our family? I feel like this is a leading question, but this let's do it. Question. <laughs> I'm taking you question. down a path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So as folks who are familiar with my perfectionism course and things like that may know, we really talk about the... I don't want to say the best because we're talking about <laughs> um, <laughs> doing perfectionism. That's but hilarious. We have yeah. a lot of data that people who live according to their values yes. are actually the most satisfied, even if they may not be quote unquote happy all the time. You know, it's not toxic positivity and all of that, but leaning back and taking some time to evaluate what do I want for my family? When, I, when I'm 80 and I'm looking back on both their childhood and adulthood, What do I want to have characterized those years and characterized my own mothering? Right. And I think that tapping into those values is a compass. It is so powerful in moments of paralyzed indecision because I so badly want to get it right. Tapping into your values to say, like, again, what you had mentioned before, what am I really trying to achieve here? Do I need a perfect Christmas tree really, though? (laughs) Or... Do I just want this experience with my family? The creative in me really likes the idea of a pretty Christmas tree. But really what matters, what like matters, matters, values matters, is that family time and the memories of decorating the tree and having the hot chocolate and doing the activities. It's funny, it almost feels like we can be at war with ourselves at times because the perfectionist in me wants no one to touch the tree. Yes. Wants the tree to be like meticulous, right? But the values-based part of me knows that it's about the experience versus, you know, the meticulous tree. Yes. Well, and I'm really glad you brought this up because you're speaking to a point that comes up for almost everyone battling perfectionism where it's not just all or nothing. You know, it's not all values or it's not all perfectionism. There's Mm. probably a line along the continuum of Christmas tree decoration (laughs) where, you know, there's a point of it that's just pure joy for you, where it's creativity and it's fun and it's getting out the old sentimental ornaments and all these things. And then there's kind of this seesaw of when does it turn from pure joy into, oh, and now we're going for expectations and external validation and perfectionism. Mm, Okay, interesting. So, you know, it can happen, but it's fairly rare that we're doing something where we would not do it at all if it wasn't an externally validating thing or something that society viewed as what the perfect mom would do. Like, for instance, you know, I enjoy taking my child to the zoo. It is also exhausting. Like I need a nap afterwards. It's like, it's a thing. (laughs) It's a whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) And so if I did some big adventure like that as often as like the Instagram mom influencers do, Mm -hmm. I would die. I would just collapse over and it would be terrible. 
Right. But there's a point in which that's a very joyful thing for me to do. But if I was doing it according to other people's standards and what they view as perfect, that actually wouldn't be joyful for me and would have more to do with my high achieving and perfectionistic tendencies. Okay. So the perfectionism really comes in when it's being done for others, for how we're going to be perceived And when it starts to cost us these other important moments and it starts to interfere versus something like you're alluding to this creativity around the Christmas tree, for example, this is becoming the the example at this point, (laughs) is like I sincerely just love and enjoy doing it Mm -hmm. for myself, not for others. And But the perfectionist part in me that's challenged is like I want it done how I want it. We might have two Christmas trees. That might be the solution. (laughs) I'm still playing with that one, right? So that is internally guided. It's not for others as much as it is my own joy. And I might be a bit particular about it, but it's not coming at a cost of anything if it's done within reason or whatever. Versus a really perfectionist narrative of that would sound like what? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) So the difference between like, I want a beautiful tree with all the trimmings and, you know, interesting design and colors and lights and whatnot versus I need to have this. Mm, Like I'm failing if I do not do this. And my family will not be happy unless I have the picture perfect Christmas tree. Okay. I see that. I see that narrative now. So if I cannot sign my child up for sports, I am failing in some way. Or if I cannot control my child's behavior adequately or, you know, they have a big tantrum at the supermarket or something, Mm -hmm. then now I'm failing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Perfectionism will extrapolate that out to the future. It won't just say, oh, we had a tantrum or, you know, this Christmas tree, you know, worked great, but then the cat got to the bottom two feet of it or whatnot. It will say, this is ruined And this is going to, you know, leave a mark, a negative mark on my parenting more permanently. Mm -hmm. Everything becomes so high stakes with that perfectionistic mindset. Right. And then it really becomes about our worth and our value, right? Like it really becomes about our ability to, I guess, perform or do things right. But at the core of that is like our enoughness, like our worth. Yes. Right? I talk a lot about this in my course, sort of where perfectionism comes from. Mm. And again, for some people, they might not notice it much, you know, in their pre-motherhood days and, you know, the stresses and expectations of motherhood may bring it on. But for others, we can learn perfectionism quite young as essentially a protective factor where we feel like our acceptance, our love, our enoughness is tied to our performance, our perfection, our ability to self-sacrifice to take care of others at all costs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've even recently related this to trauma and like the fawn response. So like I'm going to be perfect in order to shield myself from abuse or volatile or hostile parenting or things like that, or even in lesser degrees, just like harsh criticism or or things. And so we learn it as a pattern of, like you said, that self-protection. And just like any other coping skill in life, this is a conversation I often have with clients and I'm sure you do too. Like we pick up coping strategies and skills along the way 
to try and protect ourselves for a time, they may have a function and they may serve to protect us. And then if they are not the most adaptive coping skill, we outgrow them and they start to have its own subset of problems that develop out of employing this coping skill now. And that is what perfectionism does, is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. And the the example of whether it's trauma or sort of peacekeeping in the house, often, you know, when we're young, I often give the sort of picture to my clients of, you know, if you were ever that kid who came home, you know, with the A on their spelling test to say, look, mom and dad, to kind of keep the peace, you know, if, if other things were kind of tumultuous, that's mm. where a lot of this, again, this coping skill that was very adaptive at the time is often developed. And the one reason that I really love treating perfectionism as it relates to motherhood, and why I was so happy to come back onto this podcast, is that we have this unique experience in our lives where our relationship with perfectionism really can change, where we are evolving as a person, where we want to do different things and learn different coping styles that's going to be more ideal for our family and for ourselves. And so when you talk about, well, this used to be adaptive, motherhood is, I think, the best example of when perfectionism is no longer adaptive in our lives. Mm-hmm. It doesn't serve us. Like I think that in a lot of areas in my academic life or in my professional life, maybe even in my relationship to some degree, right? It may have served me and I had some control over it. But yeah, in motherhood, it is sort of counter what we need. In motherhood, we need flexibility, right? We need the ability to pivot and adapt and go with the flow. And those are sort of like (laughs) make your skin crawl, uh, you know, as a perfectionist. But those are the skills that are often required and or that we need to develop in order to manage some of these situations. Exactly. Exactly. It's something that I'd invite anyone listening to this. If you're feeling skeptical, and most perfectionists feel quite skeptical that breaking free of perfectionism will actually be helpful to them. I invite everybody to kind of evaluate when you catch yourself in perfectionistic behavior, perfectionistic thinking, asking yourself in that moment, is this helping me to be the kind of mother I want to be? Or is this bringing me farther away from that? Mm -hmm. One of the things that comes up with clients when we're talking about challenging or exploring these expectations is this idea of, well, I need to give my child the best and I'm not going to settle and that might be okay for you, but it's not okay for me. Sort of like defensiveness that comes up. How can we work with that? What is, what's going on with us there? Yes. And Full disclosure, I have to battle some of those thoughts periodically myself when I think, oh my gosh, my kid, as soon as the word need comes in, that's a fairly clear indicator that our perfectionism is, you know, ramping up. Like there was a gymnastics class this year that was full and I was like, my kid needs to be, no, my kid doesn't, she will be fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's a good indicator our perfectionism is reared its head. But the thing that I often challenge my clients, parents or not, is to ask when we're saying what's the best in this situation, how are we measuring best? Okay. Back to our measuring stick now. Yes. So if that's the best quote unquote school on the, you know, US News and World Reports, is that the kind of school that is going to allow our child to learn and grow and 
figure out who they are when they go to college is going to set them up to have a good life and have the kind of education that will allow them to be self-sufficient. Great. But when our perfectionism rears its head, that's where we get really tightly clenched around this idea of what's best. And it's Mm -hmm. almost always on somebody else's yardstick as opposed to the personal yardstick of our own or our family. Right. Like back to the stroller example and somebody wants to have the best up a baby city select whatever. (laughs) And for me, that wouldn't be the best choice for my family maybe as a first time mom because I might have to go in debt to get that stroller. And so my measuring stick of what is best might be my sister-in-law who's going to give me a stroller or getting a stroller secondhand from a friend or So like you said, that that yardstick or that definition of best is often defined externally, whether through social media, through, you know, the shows and Hollywood media that we take in or our upbringing and opinions of other family members around us. But really checking in on like, but what is best for us, for me, for our situation? Yes. And I'm even thinking of, you know, the person who like hangs their hat on the really amazing luxury stroller and all that. And they might go into debt or they might do, you know, it might be very stressful to acquire that stroller. Mm. And then their kid just has the blowout to end all blowouts and it's just half ruined. How's that person going to react? And what's that moment going to be like in parenting versus if they had the $20 umbrella stroller from Target? Right. And they could laugh and it could be a joyful experience that they'd look back at and like, remember when our kid had a blowout in the middle of the airport in St. Louis? <laughs> <laughs> not that that's ever happened to me. <laughs> no, right? Not speaking from personal experience or anything. Yeah. Yeah. The flexibility that that provides when you know you've made the right decision and the stakes are the importance not feeling so high, right? Like the, the stroller, it doesn't need to be perfect or that's not a measure of my ability as a mom. As we're thinking about wrapping up here, I would love, and I've talked about this before, we can kind of co-collaborate on this here, is what are some more adaptive or appropriate markers on our measuring stick other than materials, things that we can afford, Um, our baby's schedule or how they're sleeping. These are things that are often outside of our control. What markers can we place on our measuring stick? I'm so excited you asked this (laughs) because I bring this up in my own life a lot, a lot, a lot. It is one of my most helpful tools. So the two big things that I like to talk to folks about who are working on this is to ask yourself, what would I want if nobody else was looking, if nobody else ever knew? Mm. Do I actually want the $1,000 stroller or do I want other people to see me have the $1,000 stroller? Right. Would I want it if not? Or would I want the lighter, you know, easier one that can get banged up and puked on and whatnot? Right, right. And then the other one that I really love is to think about, and this is values related too, but to think about what we'd want to look back on this chapter in our lives and remember. Mm -hmm. You know, you keep bringing up sleep schedule and I remember being very married to my child's sleep schedule as a first time mom and nervous mom and all of that. And she's only three and a half and I could not tell you what her sleep schedule was. I have no idea what it was. (laughs) I bet you charted it. I had an app. I had a whole system. The whole thing. And... Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Doesn't matter. But what I remember about that face was like 
chunky thighs and how she felt in my arms and, you know, watching her learn how to make noises and coo and kind of baby talk. And so when we zoom out, when we're in our moments now and think, well, how do I want to spend this time? You know, mm-hmm. now she's three and a half. It's like, how do I want to look back on this time in our lives? You know, when she's the only kid and, you know, she's in this really great phase, I'm not going to want to think, you know, yeah, I had a really good stroller during that time. Or yeah, she had the best decorated birthday party or whatnot. I'm going to want to think back on the little moments, the joy, the spontaneity, you know, those things. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about the measuring stick that often moms, I feel like, try to place themselves on is, is my house clean? Is laundry (laughs) folded? Did I cook homemade meals today? Did I whatever, right? And they're all sort of these external measures of do I have this or did I do that or did I spend all of my waking time and attention with my child, you know, versus some of these things that you've been highlighting. And and some of these might be more aligned with my parenting values, Mm -hmm. but did I attune today? Did I have some intentional presence? Not the entire time, (laughs) but did I have, did we have our 10 or 15 minutes of presence today? In the tantrum, did I regulate myself? And if I didn't, what can I do to regulate myself next time, right? Versus like instead of a, is the house clean and tidy, you know, did I enjoy moments with my kiddo today? Did we live in this house? Yes, that's why it's not tidy. Like having some of these more values-based markers on our stick to really do a scan back of our day in our mind and say, I actually ticked a lot of these things off today on my list, right? The house doesn't look perfect. Someone could drop in and I might want to like hide, (laughs) but – that's not my worth. Like what I'm really trying to achieve in motherhood is this, this, and this. And I, I prioritize those today. Yes. And just the tiniest thing, because the tantrum thing is so real. And like you're saying, you know, if I wasn't regulated, next time can I do better? One thing that's really hard for perfectionists, and, and one reason I re- try and resist perfectionism in my own motherhood, is if I'm doing everything perfect, I can never admit that I'm wrong or say sorry. Mm. for not being regulated or for not paying attention the first time when she shows me, you know, her blocks that she made a tower out of. And so much of what we know about healthy attachment between parents and especially as children grow into adult children, that their parents' own vulnerability and willingness to be imperfect and admit mistakes has so much to do with long-term sustainability of the relationship. Right, that ability to apologize, that ability to repair and model repair. Yes. Right? It makes me think about my kids will say like, oh, you know, mommy was really mean or whatever. They will always mirror to you (laughs) what is going on. Thank you for that. It's a sting, right? But then it's a, oh, let me think on that. Yeah, mommy's actually really tired today. Or mommy has a deadline and is under a little bit of stress. I'm sorry. It is not your fault. Mommy is not upset with you, right, Uh, in that situation. Maybe sometimes I am upset with them. And that's okay too. Right, exactly. (laughs) You, you know, just need – we need a break. We need a timeout. Like I need a timeout, not they need a timeout. Like I need a a regroup moment. But yeah, it's so it's so true. 
And then they, they get that mod, exactly what we were talking about, about modeling. They get that model of, I don't have to be perfect. I can screw up and be dysregulated around mom and mom's still going to love me. And I can still apologize for my own imperfection. Mm-hmm. And that I think is literally the greatest gift that we can give our kids. Yeah. It reminds me, okay, one last story. I feel like it's been story time. But with my boys, we've been really emphasizing our goodness. And I have one child in particular. He's We're monitoring for ADHD. Like he provokes a lot. He can be, you know, a lot sometimes. But like I was talking with him the other night and I'm like, you know what? You are so good. Like I see your goodness. And he was like, his response even when we lived at the old house. <laughs> oh. I'm like, of course, when we lived at the old house. And he's like, even when I'm at school, like, of oh. course, even when you're at school. And I feel like these conversations about unconditional regard of like, you are good. I see your goodness is something that me growing up in this perfectionist environment, I didn't have. It was conditional, right? That regard was conditional upon whatever. So modeling that for our kids, modeling that repair, but then also just like speaking to their goodness hopefully helps to break some of those cycles of perfection. I love that so much. I hope everyone heard that loud and clear. (laughs) He was so cute. Even when, and he's like listing off all the reasons. Oh, he's so sweet. Thank you. Thank you for your time today and the work you do on this topic for parents and non-parents. But I feel like, man, us parents, we need this work, right? We all do. We all do. Yeah. Can you share with us, for those who want to learn more from you, where you are hanging out online, what offerings you have? Sure, sure. So I can be found on Instagram at Dr. Jen Official is my Instagram account. I am not tech savvy enough to have multiple accounts across YouTube and TikTok. So sorry, that's what we got going on. (laughs) I am imperfect. And I have an online course that's a mixture of videos. It's done in short segments so that busy moms can watch it at 10 o'clock at night for 10 minutes. And then it comes with a workbook on freedom for perfectionism, how to take back your time and live your authentic life. And that's going to be open for, I believe, another two weeks, which is very exciting. Very exciting. I don't know exactly when this is going to air, but what we will do is we'll link it all in the show notes for people to click through. If they miss enrollment for any reason, if this airs after the fact, I'm sure that they can go join your waitlist for the next open enrollment. I'm on your waitlist, stocking enrollment for the record, because I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to take this course here one of these days. And I just, yeah, again, thank you. I appreciate your work. And I encourage everyone listening, if this is something that really resonates with you, to check out Dr. Jen's offerings, and they will be linked in the show notes and blog post. So thank you again for your time today. Thank you. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups 
slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.